three, two, one. You are listening to the F11 Photography Podcast. Chasers of light, to the purveyors of pictures, to all of you listening around the world, this is the F11 Photography Podcast. I am your host, Kevin Deal, along with your other host, Mr. Brandon Gorey. Hello, hello. Yes, we're back in the studio. It feels great to be back. I know I always say that, but this place is becoming a second home. Just to the a word to the audience, we moved into this private studio at our studio space and we transformed it into a badass carpeted nook where it is comfortable to be inside. And it's it's really growing on me. I got to say, coming into this studio, it is fantastic and it is definitely somewhere I could spend three hours with Kevin. Yeah, we've uh, decked this place out with a carpet. We have these arms up here. So our studio space that we shoot at, if we have three major studios here, they're about 700 square feet. And then we also have uh, our smaller studio, which is where we have our broadcast or uh, our podcast, I should say. And that's where we're uh, coming to you from now. And yeah, we've just been upgrading it over time and uh you know it's a cool little headshot three-quarter body shot and tighter space but uh you know i think i think we need to get something like a beer fridge in here yeah that would be fun you know now that you say it we should also get like a like a like a hummus storage space as well or a kimchi fridge no that might get us kicked out are you a kimchi guy i like kimchi that's it my brother's a kimchi guy i've never never grown that like affinity I like to eat kimchi, but, uh, you know, if you go to Korea, they have, so in the States we have our, our fridge and then we maybe have our beer fridge out in the garage. But, uh, I guess in Korea they have a kimchi fridge. It's specifically for the kimchi and it smells like kimchi, which is cabbage and cabbage sometimes doesn't smell particularly great. So, but that's how they roll apparently over there, which, uh, Hey, I'm glad they do it because I love kimchi. This is turning into a national geographic episode. I mean, it is what it is. So F11pod.com is where you can find us. You can find us on uh, Instagram and Twitter, even though we don't use Twitter, uh, at F11pod. But uh, definitely check us out there. And now we're going to talk about today's sponsor, which is Gamut. So for those of you who don't know what Gamut is, Gamut makes LUTs, lookup tables. If you're listening to this and you don't know what a LUT or a lookup table is, when you shoot on your uh, video camera, if you're shooting in a log format, whether it's C-log, S-log, whatever your camera's respective uh, format is, uh, it tends to shoot a flat profile because it gives you more latitude in post-production so you can make your stuff look amazing. But 
as a stills photographer who started a YouTube channel, I was lost when it came to LUTs because it's just kind of a different mentality than uh, shooting in raw and doing uh, post-production for stills. It's just a completely different animal. And so having a good starting point, uh, that's what a LUT gives you. And Gamut is an awesome company. They are a sponsor of this pod and they make incredible LUTs. There's a discount code going around right now of 25%. If you check out a link in the description below of this pod, uh, you can get 25% off the LUT. They have all different types of LUTs. Uh, they have creative LUTs and they have base LUTs. If you're a wedding photographer, you make uh, feature films, uh, all those different types of genres. They have LUTs. They range anywhere from $25 to $100 before discount. So if you could imagine just like, not having to do a bunch of post-production work uh, because you spent $25 on a LUT, to me, that is so worth it. And then, of course, you can get 25% off that. So today's episode, what we're going to talk about, I'm going to talk about closing techniques for photographers. We've done a few pods so far where we talk about business. Uh, and most of you photographers out there, maybe you're amazing at taking pictures, but you're terrible at the business side of photography. And so we try to do as many business-related episodes as we can, and today we're going to do another one. So we did a pod with Vanessa Joy, a two-part interview, and I was joking around with her um, that I'm a no person until I'm convinced I'm a yes person. And, and what that means is... I'm pretty much not going to say yes to anything you're trying to sell me on until you convince me that I need to be a yes. And in that uh, in that reference, I was talking about when I saw Vanessa's YouTube channel for the very first time, I was just like, yeah, who's this person? I'm like that with everybody, not just Vanessa. But then I saw what she had to say. I was like, oh, wow, yes, this is a really good channel. It's informative. She turned me from a no to a yes. And that psychological uh event occurs with everybody, whether they're aware of it or not. Every time you walk into a car dealership, every time you walk into a Home Depot, anytime anybody's trying to sell you on something, and it doesn't even have to be transactional in the form of money, it could just be convincing you to say yes to something. You're at a no until they convince you that, you know, everything's going to come to a yes. And when you're trying to sell products and services as a photographer, People are saying no to you, whether you know it or not. And it's your job to sell yourself, not just your products and services. And I think that's a pitfall that a lot of people fall into is that they're like, oh, well, my work speaks for itself. It's like, yeah, but there's a lot of great photographers out there who are just as good as you. So if you don't separate yourself from these other people and give them a reason to understand what the experience would be like working with you, you may, you may very well keep them at a no, and you'll lose that business. So that's what we're going to talk about in today's episode, taking a no and turning it into a yes and selling yourself. And then we're also going to talk about closing techniques. And the thing I want you to know about closing techniques is uh, these are tried and true techniques in the sales world, but you don't just get comfortable with one. It's all situational. It's all based off the psychology of the person that you're talking to. So you have to read the clients and then figure out how you want them to say yes to your products and services. Okay. Um, now, some icebreaker things that you can do to get people comfortable with you. One of my favorite techniques I like to use is called establishing a common enemy. 
What does that what does that mean? What does establishing a common enemy mean? Well, if you're trying to sell yourself to a client as a person, you're trying to find things that you can relate to them with, right? Uh, whether you root for a particular sports team or you're into yoga or whatever it is that you do uh, that you can relate to the client, or whatever it is you do where you can relate to the client, that helps sell you as a person. It makes you more relatable and then it helps them come out of their shell and open up and then you take that no and you kind of move it over to a yes. Uh, that's the That's the goal anyway. And so the establishing a common enemy one, I, you know, it depends on who you're talking to, but it's when someone's like, uh, maybe you're a fan of a particular sports team and you know which teams you don't like uh, because you're a fan of that team. So like uh, I, I, I root for the Cowboys. I, I, I'm obviously a masochist because they haven't done anything relevant in 25 years. But if you are a Cowboys fan, you know that we have a division with the uh the, the Eagles and the, the, well, formerly the Redskins, now the commander is now about to change their name, and then the New York football giants. So you could say, man, I'm just, I really don't like the Eagles because you know that this guy is a Cowboys fan. Maybe he's wearing a Cowboys hat or something like that. Whether you realize it or not, that person's like, yeah, I don't like the Eagles. I, I, I don't like the Eagles. All that's really going on there is they're becoming more comfortable with you, okay? And they're opening up, and we're breaking the ice. And what you do, I find that like 90% of sales is just getting them comfortable with you, and then the last 10% is actually selling people on products and services and getting them to say yes. Yeah, one of the common misconceptions, especially one that I held uh, getting into the sales aspect and even business aspect of photography is you, you don't want, you're not trying to convince someone that you're worth the purchase. You want that close. You want that sale to be a collaboration. You want to be with them and you want them to be with you every step of the way in that journey. Um, one CEO of a sales company, I forget the name right now, but he said that the old common term of sales always be closing is out and the new one is always be connecting. And I think that's truer than ever. Yeah, at the end of the day, you're a photographer and you're providing a set of photos uh, in your style and there's that set of expectations and deliverables that you're giving and that's the overall exchange. But really what you're selling is you're selling yourself, you're selling the, the work environment, the atmosphere, and um, that close isn't going to be it's not going to be news to, to the person you're closing with, uh, to the client. It's just, it's just going to be a natural, uh, a natural resolution to what you've been talking about the last week, the last month, and so on. Absolutely. And, you know, we had Doss Miller in here uh, a couple weeks ago for an interview, and it was a fantastic interview. He did a great job. And he was talking about experience, creating an experience for the customer. And part of that experience isn't just the products and services you provide. It's about selling yourself as a person and having them relates to you. That is absolutely part of the customer experience and going to these establishing a common enemy thing that I was talking about and relating to them is you really are spending 90% of your time selling yourself because they can probably find a dozen people who do what you do in your town, but they're trying to go, they're trying to go from a no to a yes. And you have to make them comfortable. That's the big issue. And until they're comfortable, especially if you're asking them to part with thousands and thousands of dollars, you're probably uh, not going to just immediately get a yes out of them. So, uh, so turning a no into a yes, that is the mentality you have to have with everyone. And I come from a sales background. So, 
you know, uh, people will ask me, you know, why, you know, why are you, why do you feel like you're an authority to talk on photography sales uh, and sales in general? And I just walk to the curb. I turn around and I look at my house. I go, sales bought me that. So I have a little bit of experience. I built a career on it. Uh, yes, we we all we're all a little egotistical in the sales world. Sometimes that part of me comes out. But uh, uh, I, you know, my background, I actually didn't think I'd be good at sales. Uh, so I worked uh, for a retail company in college, and during my job interview, like within two or three sentences, the manager's like, "Well." you're clearly not any good at sales. So I'm going to put you in like inventory or something. And at the time I'd never had a sales job. So I was like, yeah, you're probably right. I don't like people, you know? And, uh, which is funny cause now I'm a portrait photographer and I, I do, I've been doing sales for uh, a couple decades, but so I, I just went, went along with it and was like, yeah, okay. I'm, I'm not, I'm not good at sales, whatever. And then I got married and when I got married, uh, I think it's the only lie I ever told my father-in-law. He asked me, like, hey, you have a job lined up, right? And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I totally fucking did not have a job lined up. So uh, sorry about that. Uh, but I was desperate, and uh, I ended up uh, taking a sales job. And, you know, reluctantly, like, oh, I'll probably do this for a month or two until I find the real job that I want. And sure enough, my very first month, I led the the whole company uh, in sales and just kept going from there. I didn't realize I was any good at it, but I was like, well, I guess if I'm, I, I guess I should start trying because I'm doing pretty well with this. So it was things that I didn't know that I had, like uh, traits that I didn't know I had. I, it took me a couple years to figure out why I was good at what I did. And so I'd start reading books and I was like, oh yeah, I do that and I do this. And so you know, I guess I had some natural talents of sales, uh, being able to talk to people, being able to relate to people. But that's part of that experience thing we're talking about. Turning turning the no into the yes is is I, what I didn't realize I was doing is I was making people comfortable with me, and I was pretty much talking to them about anything but what I wanted them to do, which was to buy things from me. You really just talk to somebody and get them comfortable, and then you ask them to buy things. It's it's actually really simple to sell. And so, uh, so yeah, that's, that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about closing techniques. Um, you know, but I, I got so good at it that like when someone would walk through the door within two or three seconds, I would have them qualified. I would know exactly what I needed to pitch them on. But I knew that if I pitched them on it at that very moment, we were so new in our relationship that they, they wouldn't become a yes because they'd be so uncomfortable with me because I went right to the sale. Like, let's do this. And and so that's something that I learned. It's like, yes, I know within two or three seconds, usually of what somebody needs, but now I have to spend the next, it could be hour, it could be weeks, selling them on who I am and what I'm about so they can become comfortable with me enough to the point where I can ask them for their money. You are listening to the F11 Photography Podcast. Playing, playing the classic tune of this podcast where Kevin has a very technical approach and is aware of the ins and outs of the mechanisms of his mind and how and how what he's saying is a very, very competent X input to demand a very, very uh, competent Y output. I, on the other hand, don't operate that way. And I just want to I just want to say in, in parallel to to what you were saying about how to close and and that is uh, something that really helped me closing and and just operating as a as a business and building that relationship with the client and learning how to not start asking for money early and how to not start like hounding people for like uh you know like okay we're talking that means you want my service so i'm just going to ask for money right off the bat is um 
discovering the mindset of being someone of service you know um instead of thinking as myself as oh i'm the photographer guy that i you know my work you know my my shit don't stink like uh i can't i can do no harm and they want to pay me because i'm that that is that got me nowhere and i tried that for a while <laughs> way too long um being a photographer and closing uh, i think in any situation is you need to be of service when i went to discount tire that's a that's one of my last premium purchases i remember that i actually enjoyed is uh, the guy there, he was the manager. I work with the manager at Discount Tire, whether that's true or not, whether that's something that uh, they say, I'm not sure. But working with the guy who serviced me, he truly was of service. He, there was no gloating. There was no, there was no like, oh, you need to buy this package. There was just like, we need to get you in and we need to get you out because you've got a busy day. He acknowledged that. And he serviced me as well as my car. Um, that sounds like an innuendo. Don't think anything of it. I you you brought up the innuendo. I was just sitting here muted, but I had to unmute on that one. Go ahead, proceed. Yeah. So as a as a photographer, um, Kevin brought up the common enemy and how as a, like as a photographer closing a deal, you need to address that common enemy to the client. And my one of my favorite con common enemies to address and, and imply, but not directly like name or label to the client is my common enemy is is the presumption that booking a photographer shooting and getting deliverables can be an arduous journey for the client. And really it can't. And the way that you want to make it a not arduous journey, a pleasant journey, a comfortable journey, and an exciting journey is you need to be of service. You need to anticipate their needs, their wants. They need to know that when they're talking to you, that you've got it handled. You've got the scheduling handled, that you've acknowledged their needs, that you've recorded their needs, and then you, you reciprocate, you communicate their needs back to them and address how you've actually taken care of those things with foresight. If, if they, if they don't want a certain thing shown or if they like, Oh, left side is my good side. It might help to say like, okay, you know, I've planned a number of shots to where you're, we're going to get your left side because I can tell that's a sensitive subject to you. And you've brought it up multiple times. Obviously, you know, you're not going to say that to them because it, 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 you know, it can sound weird, but the, the example I'm trying to get at here is you want to listen, you know, this, is this another deal for you? Have you done this before? Yes. That's kind of the mentality, but you also want to be of service and develop that very natural uh, relationship with these people. Absolutely. And part of what your job is in order to prove to the client that you are an expert in your area is of course you, you ask probing questions. And so one of the things that get come that one of the things that will get you comfortable uh, getting to the end and asking for the sale is asking questions to begin with. The more you can establish that you are the right fit for them and verbally uh, express that back to the client to where they understand it and you're seeing that they're reacting to it or really if you're really good at it they'll start saying out loud oh yeah you do this and that and it's almost like they're going through a list of things in their head that's actually the analytics close which uh, might as well start talking about closing techniques uh, part of your job in the business side of photography if you want to get savvy is to read your client everybody's different so we discuss on this channel a lot. I'm a very uh, analytics, technical type of person, and Brandon's more of an abstract. I would use a different closing technique on someone like Brandon than I would on someone like myself. 
And with with uh, some sometimes people uh, like the analytical types, you'll hear them like check marking out things out loud, and you're like, okay, they're in analytics close. And the analytics close is when you're at the end and you're ready to ask for the sale. You do like a summary. You're like, so we've established that I can do this for you. We've established that you want X and I do X. We've established that the dates that you've set out, I'm available. Like you're going through a, a checklist of all these reasons why you're the right person for the job because you've they've literally fed you like how they think. And part of it is just reading the client. That's the analytics close. I love the punch list close. It's a very easy one because if you hear them making the punch list, Write down all the stuff they're saying because you literally have a punch list. You can just use their own words back on them. And then that's them realizing that, oh, yeah, I said that, you know, whether they're like conscious of it or not, they will eventually like conclude that, yes, I did say that. And they're basically not giving an excuse to say no at that point. They are convincing themselves out loud that this is going to be a yes. And so the analytics close, uh, you know, a lot of times. You need to uh, master the art of when to talk and when to shut up. And when the customer is verbally like talking to themselves out loud about what's going on, that's one of those times where you shut up and you listen and it's like, okay, they're going through a punch list. This is this is the, the analytics close. And so you can do something like that punch list, but not everybody's that way. Uh, Brandon kind of alluded to this. There's the visualization close which is, uh, I'm going to use a non-photography example, but you can obviously use this with photography. It's like, I'm going to use the car example. If you can get somebody picturing themselves driving off the lot with the car, you know, set up a story that way, set up a visualization that way, if they can start picturing themselves uh, driving off the lot with that car, it's no different than them uh, visualizing you being the person who does their wedding? Are you visualizing you being the person who does their commercial project? And something that I've talked about on this channel a few times, something that I do every single time a client reaches out to me, I actually plant the visualization seed because they're like, hey, Kevin, I want to work with you. And I'm like, great. I'm very flattered. What I want you to do now is I want you to go through my portfolio and I want you to pick out five to 10 shots that I've taken where you can visualize me shooting you in that style. Because then what happens is the client comes back to me with five to 10 pictures of them visualizing me being their photographer. I didn't have to do anything other than ask them to do it. It's not for egotistical purposes. I have uh, other reasons why I do it because I want to figure out, oh, wow, they picked, you know, 10 shots that I shot with an 85 millimeter lens or they shot, uh, you know, I'm on multiple uh, camera platforms. They might choose like 80% of the shots were shot on my Fuji cameras as opposed to my Canon cameras. I'm, I'm making them do homework for me and they don't even realize it. I'm also making them more comfortable with me because I've set up a scenario. I've set up a scenario in which they are visualizing me uh, working with them as their photographer, and I just simply ask them to do something super simple, like go onto my Instagram. And I've never had somebody say, "Oh no, I'm not going to do that," because they literally reached out to me, you know, asking me for my services. And so it's a very easy softball uh, response you can give somebody to kind of get them more comfortable with you and get them visualizing uh, working with you as a photographer. So that's that's the visualization technique. And I, I recommend that if you're not like a salesy type of person, that's something super simple you can do to kind of cheat a little bit and get them comfortable with you and also learn a ton of things that they like about your photography that kind of gives you insight as to how you would approach their photo shoot.
Yeah. And, and also on top of that, with the visualization, that's actually really apt because that's a strategy I use often, uh, especially when I'm meeting with people for coffee. Um, and that's another thing is I do like to meet and sit down with potential clients for coffee. There, there is a real advantage you have as a photographer in a niche when someone reaches out to you and wants to shoot with you. I'll give an example of myself. I shoot a very moody, uh, dark fashion editorial uh, style. And so when people reach out to me, it is highly likely that we're going to have something in common simply by the virtue of them enjoying my work. Because uh, I just everyone I've sat down with, everyone I've been on a phone call with, and everyone I've, I've communicated with uh, who wants to work with me, uh, I, we usually get along pretty well, and it's it's a really lovely conversation right off the bat before going into uh, the necessities of things. But the advantage here is it, something I've noticed is all these people, uh, they generally have a very similar want. Uh, the bell curve is that they want me to shoot a sty- stylized photos of them uh, from my own perspective and they just they just want to look uh, good in 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 my mood in my in my style, and so that saves me a lot of time. I don't have, I don't have to ask general vague questions. I don't have to probe uh, uh, certain things because I can make assumptions. Which this is assumptive closing is I can make assumptions that they are ready to buy. They just need me to give them the assurance that I'm on the same page as them. Um, a lot of these guys uh, we talked about this in another episode. Is it uh, when you build up a client list of previous clients and you charge your rate and you don't discount, that means you have a number of advocates going around for you telling other people what your rate is, which means a lot of people that are coming to me now, they expect a higher rate. They expect my rate. They don't expect a low ball. So um, there's no there's no room for surprises. Um, and I can, I, I'm now able to make a more assumptive close because a lot of the people coming to me, they want the same exact thing. So the, the questions that I probe are more like, okay, do you want this to be more studio or outdoors? Or is this just going to be you or would you like another person? Do you want me to source the clothing or are you comfortable sourcing the clothing and I can provide a mood board? So the, the, the questions and the probing is a lot more logistical and it gives them confidence in me because I'm asking the questions that they wouldn't know to ask and that would be a logistical barrier where we're basically taking care of the shoot before it even starts. Absolutely. And you mentioned the assumptive close, which is a great transition because the next close I wanted to talk about is the assumptive close. Hey, this is Vanessa Joy and you're listening to the F11 Photography Podcast. I find that the assumptive close is built around positive thinking. It's for the person who's too shy to do a direct close, which we'll get into in a bit, because not only do you have to read the clients and how they want to be spoken to, you have to evaluate yourself and what you're confident doing, because something like a direct close, well, heck, I'll talk about a direct close right now. A direct close is, so do you want to move forward? That's pretty direct. And some people are not comfortable being that direct with the client. And that's okay because there's other techniques you can use to approach a client that make you comfortable. And so the nice thing about the assumptive close is you can kind of ask them to move forward without asking them to move forward. So an example of the assumptive close, you are uh, discussing a project with a client. It's going really well. You have positive vibes. You've maybe even met them two or three times because you've been building up because you're going against other people or whatever, but you really feel like that at this point in time, they visualize themselves uh, working with you. You don't really see a lot of red flags or any at all. And so the way you would go about the assumptive close, just an example of it is, uh, 
you would just say, cool, what days are you available to shoot? They haven't actually said they want to work with you, but you just asked them, great, what days do you want to do this? You assumed that they were a yes already. And sometimes you actually made the job easier for them because they're anticipating you like going, so you want to do it? And then they get all nervous and weird, but you just like, what, what days are you? And like, oh, and they pull out their phone and like, I'm available on Tuesday. You know, all of a sudden it's like, great. I just closed this deal without having to actually ask them if they want to move forward. I just asked them what dates they're available to move forward. And they said, I want to do it on this day. You, you got past the, the really uncomfortable question by asking a different question. Not only that, but the time that the assumptive close is most appropriate to use is after a very productive and positive conversation. And using a productive close, it then puts the onus on them to, to give an objection and to basically, you know, give a reason as to why the, the, the last 30 or 45 minutes on the phone, last 20 or 15, or, you know, at the coffee meeting, the onus is on them to describe, oh, well, they have to describe what wasn't working for them the last 20, 25 minutes. They seemed good with everything. And you just make the assumption, which is more, more or less accurate. Suddenly they have to describe and they have to object, um, which is, is a more difficult for a client to do because everything had been going so well. Yeah. And yeah, you know, something to keep in mind about all this is that it is it is a game sales to an extent is a game that you have to play like but the, the 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 mastering it you have to basically you know you you have to be in this natural conversation where you are genuinely empathy and you are genuinely listening and you're you're genuinely uh, conversing with the clients but you also have to in the background in your head, kind of keep track of where things are and where things are going and when you should ask certain questions. There is an art to it. But I do want to talk about empathy for a second because, you know, I always try when I'm talking to somebody, I find reasons to be empathetic with them, but I make sure that they're legitimate reasons to be empathetic. I'm not going to like, if somebody says, oh yeah, um, I lost my grandmother recently. I'm not going to lie to them and say, well, I lost my grandmother recently too. You know, like, don't be that dumbass. Like, don't, make shit up, be yourself, but find ways that you can be yourself and integrate that into these techniques. I think that's really the, the, the takeaway I want you to have when you listen to this episode, because I'll be like, and, and I, I, I mean, I re did recently lose uh, grandparents. And so I'll be like, yeah, that was a really, really hard time in my life. I understand people like if people are telling you about losing their grandparents and trust me, I've heard all sorts of personal stuff. I never thought I'd hear in the course of doing sales. All that means is that they're comfortable with you for the most part. Some people are like too much information type people. Like I met this guy once within the first five minutes of meeting him. I realized that uh, his wife uh, cheated on him in a threesome with two dudes. And like, I'm, I'm just like, uh, you know, it's one of those, sir, this is an Arby's kind of moments. Like, like there are some people out there who are TMI. And that's actually a good, good thing we should talk about is, you differentiate between them being a TMI person and them actually like opening themselves up to you. I feel like it's a vibe you can feel on somebody. You know, the person who immediately says my wife cheated on me within five minutes of meeting. That's the that's clearly the TMI person. But if you're an hour into your conversation and they start talking about the fact that they've recently lost a family member or something like that or, you know, whatever they open up, maybe they had some sort of a cancer diagnosis or something to, you know, but you're an hour into the conversation. I, I, I feel like that that's OK, that we're in the empathy area and just be yourself like you don't have to manufacture empathy um, i have 
I, that that does speaking of manufacturing though this might be the only gray area of uh, being honest that could help drive sales and i'm going to talk about it because this is about you growing your business remember you're playing a game you you typically know what the client needs pretty fast but you're just selling them on you so uh there's a there's a thing called manufacturing a crisis uh, or you could also relate that into the now or never close. Uh, so I, I don't, I don't usually like to use this type of close and it doesn't really apply to my style of photography anyway, but the, Oh, if you sign up today, I'll give you a 25% discount or, Oh, I have two slots available on my family mini sessions that I'm doing out in the middle of the field. It's not a type of photography I do, but if you're listening to this and you do that type of photography, the now or never close is actually good for your style of business because you're doing a bunch of smaller sessions. And so yes, the mini session person would use that. And it, it kind of sounds like there's a, Oh man, I, I got to make this decision now because there's only two slots available. Now I do kind of an altered version of that. That is, you know, maybe pushing gray area because I'm not always like totally truthful about what I have available, but I'll be like, you know, I'm maybe I'm not super booked up for the next two weeks, but I'll just be like, yeah, I have a couple slots available. I, I you know, I have limited slots available, kind of pushing the gray area there. I probably have a lot of slots available because I really want that sale, but I make myself sound a little busier than maybe I am. It's maybe a little bit stretching the truth, but then they even have analytics for that kind of like an algorithm for that kind of stuff. So like, I, I used to have Squarespace uh, do my web hosting. I'm now on format. But when I had Squarespace, they had a scheduler. And the scheduler would make up dates and times of day that you're busy. So when somebody tries to book you, they'd be like, oh, wow, this guy's really busy. And, they can, and then you you can actually like, there's like a little slider that you can make it uh, yourself look more or less busy. busy. And and so, yeah, that's, that's kind of uh, BS in my opinion. But... It helps you get a sale. I mean, who am I to say that you know you're not you're not really uh, you know being deceptive in my opinion. I, I don't know. I, I find that that's a gray area where if you do it, I'll look the other way. It's a psychological gray area, and I think I think we all toil under the delusion that that's what everyone else is doing. Like if you if you want to have a meeting with someone who's going to like counsel you on photography, you know, st- strategic sessions, or just anyone anyone likes to see more busy than they are. Um, but I wanted to circle back to, to the empathy, uh, real quick, because there is a close that I actually do employ and I'm guilty of this is say there's a, say there's a tragedy happening, you know, say someone, Oh, that you lost your grandmother and you've just been talking about photography and booking a session. And they say, you know, they get comfortable and they say, Oh yeah, I lost my grandma or my dog died. What you can do, (laughs) what you can do is say like, Oh, you know, like that's, terrible you know like if you know if if this photography if this is all too much for you right now we can push this to a couple months down the line and the fact of the matter is if it is too much for them they're going to push it anyways but but what you're really doing is you're creating that 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 connection of trust where like they're more okay with shooting with you after they know that you've considered their situation and their emotions you are listening to the F11 Photography Podcast. One thing that I have uh, learned to do, and it's not its not because it's I'm trying to make it sound like I don't care, I'm just like whatever, is to your point, oftentimes when people are like, hey, I want a book or whatever, I, I make it sound like I'm not in a hurry. 
it kind of also gives the impression that you're busy. It's like, yeah, yeah, when I have some availability in the future, but I'm not like super pushy about the date. Um, I, I have a lot of, uh, you know, stuff scheduled a couple months in advance. I'm talking about non-wedding stuff. Obviously, wedding stuff you schedule like a year in advance, but I, I don't make it sound like I'm pressuring them to shoot tomorrow. And I'm just like, yeah, when are you ready? And I found that, uh, you know, it depends on the client. Some clients, when you read them, it's like, oh, okay. I need to push them now because there's, there are some clients that you can tell kind of from the way that they're talking to you, that they're shopping around. And so as they're shopping around and they land on you, I find that in those situations, I do want to be urgent. I do want to get that sale fast because if I give them more time, then somebody else could be just as good as I am, if not better, and they can take that sale away from me. And so I find that when I know I have somebody who is shopping around for other photographers in front of me, I pounce. I will I will figure out a way to try to get them to go from no to yes and not even call those other photographers uh, because my chances to land that sale increase exponentially because there are uh, despite the fact that a lot of us listening have egos, there are other photographers in this uh, city, in your city, who are just as good as you, if not better. And if they call them and they realize it, they're not going to hire you. They're going to hire the better guy or, or gal. So something to definitely keep in mind there. Um, what were you, were you going to well, say something? Yeah, I was, yeah, <laughs> I was going to say, I, I know, I know that potential client. I am so in tune with what you're saying. And they're the type of client where they just wake up one morning on a random week and they just like, you know what? I think I'm going to look for photographers. And they don't even know if they have an intention to buy or not. They just like the prospect of imagining their shots with this photographer style. So they start asking for photographers. They start looking at different photographers, getting in touch with them. Kind of, you know, they're, they're not even shopping for the photos. They're shopping for you. They want to see how easy you are to work with. So it, when you get a sense that they're that type of client... You want to talk to them, you want to get that sense, and you want to give them a runway straight to purchase town because that's what they want to do. They're looking, they're looking to just, you know, get some dopamine. They're not, they're not even like thinking about the process. Yeah. And, uh, the way to get there fast is to ask questions. I mean, you really do want to ask questions because it establishes you as an expert. It establishes you as somebody who cares about getting to the bottom of your client's needs and then as you're asking them questions, like here's, here's a, here's a secret that, that nobody wants to tell you, which is people love to talk about themselves. I shit you not. Like when I was in sales, like if I was like super busy and I had a bunch of stuff going on in my head and I was trying to analyze the situation, I just asked them a question and I let them talk for about themselves for five minutes. And you know, the more they talk about themselves, there's this like subconscious thing going on where they're realizing that I'm starting to become comfortable with this person because I'm opening up more. They're not making me uncomfortable. And really you're just sitting there waiting patiently because you already know what they need. And, uh, but you're just like letting them, letting them get to where they, they, they need to get to, to be comfortable with you as a person. And so that, that comes to asking questions. So like, you know, if you're dealing with a commercial client, you ask them that you, you, hopefully that you're asking questions, which is, Hey, what's your ad buy? If you're dealing with wedding clients, you ask tons of questions like, Hey, um, you know, what date is it on? Um, what time of day is it on? What's the shot list? Who are people who shouldn't be in pictures together when we do family family portraits and so on and so forth? If you're working with a modeling agency, you may ask them for a mood board. Uh, that way you know that you're giving them good content for that model's book. And so while you're asking all these questions to the client, you're establishing that you're an expert. They're becoming more comfortable with you. And 
If you're the type of person who wants to ask for a sale with a, a question, uh, maybe you can try the question close, which I personally don't like, but it all depends on how you are as a person. Uh, and so the question close can sometimes uh, work in conjunction with the analytics close, which is kind of, you know, the whole generic version of, is there anything preventing us from moving forward? Which I personally don't usually like to use that one because I feel like it opens up uh, the possibility for them to push back. But for some people, uh, you know, it'll it still, it still allows them to voice their two or three objections. So there is a positive to it because part of your job is overcoming objections. So if you do do the question close, one of the positives that does come from that is that they will say, here's the three objections we have right now. Now you're like, okay, I have a punch list of things that I need to solve to get them to a yes. So for some of you, that may be the first close you go to. For me personally, it doesn't work for me a lot of the time, but once again, it's an analyzation of the situation. Um, if it is the type of situation where it's like, well, uh, maybe I can't figure out why I can't get them to a yes. I find that the question close can work there because now it's you're basically just saying, great, I feel positive about things, but we're not quite where we need to be yet. I want you right here and right now to tell me why in a list. And now I can kind of cheat and go, great, these are the three things I need to focus on turning from a no to a yes. And, and here's the thing is like, we can talk about all this and this is all fantastic advice. Um, but I, I just want to pivot here and also mention and say that there is, there is a large crowd who are looking to get into this. They're looking to get into the closing, into the process of clothing, closing and, you know, into a headspace where they can actually analyze, um, their approaches and stuff like that. But for a lot of people, they can't even, they don't even know how to bring up money in the conversation yet. Um, there's a lot of photographers, myself included, who for the, for the longest time, uh, <clears throat> had anxiety, social anxiety, and money anxiety get in the way of all that. Now, I know that for some people, that's uh, that's just out of the question. It's so left field, that's not on their radar. But I know for a lot of photographers, the, co the concept of money and the concept that they can get paid for their work and even close is, is a goal far on the horizon um, in any case for themselves. Well, and unless you're in a very niche form of photography... You have to be a good business person in order to make a living. If you want to go walk to your curb and turn around and look at your house that was built with photography, you really need to learn the business side of what you do. You can take great pictures all day. There's no shortage of people in your town who take just as good of pictures as you do, despite what your ego is telling you. And as we've discovered and discussed with our previous two guests, Vanessa Joy and Doss Miller is once you hit, once you get beyond a certain threshold, it's not about how good of a photographer you are. People's expectations for what they need for projects are at a certain threshold. And if you're the greatest photographer in the world, you're way beyond that threshold, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you know how to treat clients right. It doesn't necessarily mean that you know how to do business correctly. And so they may not care how good of a photographer you are because you haven't really sold them on the experience part of working with them. All you've sold them on is how good of a photographer you are. And there's a lot of good photographers out there. And so that's something that I want you all to keep in mind uh, when you're listening to this episode is that you have to really work on your business side of things the same way you work on your photography side of things. If you are a good photographer, you've already gotten that part down. Now invest the effort that you put into being a good photographer into being a good business person.
That does it for today's episode. I hope some of these closing techniques will help you become a better photographer. Uh, They've certainly helped me out in my career. And I found that these sales techniques translate across many different trades. It's not just photography. So if you stop becoming a photographer and you sell cars, all this stuff works. It's universal because it's all based around human psychology. So hopefully you can go back, reference this episode. If there's uh, something that clicks with you, learn it. But uh, thank you all for listening. Check us out at f11pod.com. And until next time, chase light and not algorithms. Thank you for listening to today's episode. For more information about this podcast, go to www.f11pod.com.